Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Powered by Righteous Media. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 17 of the Five Fighters Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Serra. Well, you don't need me to tell you that the world is still crazy. Still got war going on over in Europe. Gas prices are going up. Masks are going down. People continue to fight with each other on social media. And stupidity remains at an all-time high. Speaking of which, I don't know if any of you have seen this. Have you heard about this? The other day on Twitter, I came across this photo of uh, two New York State senators posing with a giant banner for climate change. Senator Rachel May and Senator Robert Jackson, old Bobby, posing with uh, this banner. Sounds nice, right? That's something we could all get behind. You know, climate change, save the planet, all that kind of stuff. Nice. But on this banner, there's two towers. Assuming they're the World Trade Center. There's a spire and all. There's a skyline. And there's a plane heading towards the towers. And on the plane, it says climate change. And under the plane, it says, wake up, America, before it's too late. What the actual fuck is this? What am I looking at here? Senator May tweeted out, "Uh, I didn't look at the banner before I posed with it. Come on, lady. There's three people in this picture. There's no one else in sight. There's nobody. They're in front of a giant government building. There's nobody else around. Not like somebody snuck up behind you and held up the sign. Like that cardboard sign holding dude. It's just you and two dudes. And you got a giant smile on your face. You tell me you stood behind this banner and you didn't read it? With that smile on your face? We're also supposed to believe that you read all the bills that you vote on? When you didn't even read a six or seven foot wide banner before you posed with it? Besides that, like, whoever made this banner? Who are you convincing uh, that climate change is real. Like, what, what, what are you doing with this? All you're doing is pissing people off and offending people. Please. You're just adding... <laughs> anybody who who is denying climate change, or you're just giving them more fuel. You're just making them freaking hate you more. Anyway, I digress, but nice excuse, Rachel May. Not buying it. And happy news. Last week, I attended a promotion party at one of my old firehouses, uh, Union Avenue, Engine 216, 108 truck, Battalion 3-5. It was a great time. Uh, it seemed like a couple hundred people turned out uh, for a promotion slash retirement party, and uh, it was great. Great to see everybody. That's really what the job is about. Um, you can hear about it in this interview, the camaraderie and, and the family type atmosphere that we have. Uh, and it was great. It's great to see everybody. Thanks for inviting me, guys. Uh, I appreciate it. But it's Women's History Month. Yesterday was International Women's Day. 
So I'm pleased to say that my guest this week is a pretty historical woman. Uh, she's the first woman to be the acting fire commissioner for the FDNY. Since 1865, uh, no woman has has had the role of fire commissioner in New York City. And, and it's pretty cool uh, that we have one now. She's got some cool things to say. So uh, let me cut right to it. Here she is, acting fire commissioner, Laura Cavanaugh. We're proud to have a new sponsor for the show, Rocky Boots. Since 1932, Rocky Boots has had a proud legacy building boots for the men and women who serve and protect our country. And in January, Rocky is introducing their fire boots. As with all Rocky boots, these are high quality, comfortable, and built to last. Plus, these boots are NFPA certified. Located in an American small town, Rocky has volunteer firefighters in their company, and their focus is on footwear that's innovative and durable. Rocky is currently looking for firefighters to wear test their boots. If you're interested, reach out through any of Rocky Boots' social media channels, Facebook and Twitter, at Rocky Gear. And be sure to check out the great deals at RockyBoots.com. Rocky Boots, rugged innovation since 1932. Based in small-town Nelsonville, Ohio, Rocky continues to be a world leader in premium, quality outdoor work, Western, public service, and military footwear, as well as outdoor and work apparel and accessories. We're also proud to announce that Rocky will be offering our listeners a 25% discount, so enter FIRE25 at checkout. Rocky Boots, where innovation, quality, and durability are our hallmarks. Hey guys, uh, welcome to episode 17 of the Firefighters Podcast. It's Women's History Month, and yesterday was International Women's Day, and I'm happy to announce that I have with me the first female acting commissioner of the FDNY, Ms. Laura Cavanaugh. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. So we had a historic day yesterday also, right? We had 13 women graduate from the academy. Yep, um, absolutely. What was your message to them? You know, my message to them was that, uh, well, my message, my message to them in my speech was that, you know, it's not only that they finished a grueling curriculum, it's that they're also inspiring far more women than I think they even realize that, you know, that they can pursue a career like firefighting, that they could pursue any career um, that they might've previously thought wasn't for them. So really encouraging them just to think of themselves as role models for the world, really. Absolutely. They are, uh, I, I have two daughters myself, and I watched uh, Fireheart with, with my 11-year-old the other day. I don't know if you've seen it yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she loved it. She was into it. And then when the movie ended, they put all the pictures up of all the uh, female firefighters out there. And the first one was Chief Rocky Jones. And yep. she got all excited because I told her that I used to work with her, and she got all excited, <laughs> and she was really into it. It was cute. Um, yeah, that's great. Uh, all right. So you've been with the FDNY for eight years now. Um, yeah. What what drew you there? I know you, you did some political work before, but. Yeah, I mean, I think it was two things. Like one, I, I welcome a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the fire department is obviously like the largest fire department in the country. And certainly I would say the best known in the world. And so there was the brand and that, you know, that it was the best, but also the challenge that there were a number of things they asked me to come in and help innovate. And I knew that that would be tough. Um, And I am not one for easy projects. So I I don't like to sit on my laurels. I don't like to sit still. Um, I like things that are hard. Um, And I really like to, 
I really like to help make change um, where you get the stakeholders buy-in. Um, I think a lot of times you see outsiders come into agencies like this. Uh, you know, you see folks from uh, other agencies or, or an outside consultancy and they come in and they sort of think they can just wave a magic wand and tell the fire department what to do. Um, and I think that's a real shame. I think that there's like an incredible amount to be learned from an organization uh, as great and as sort of old as the fire department. Um, and so even if there's something that needs to be changed, I love the idea of being able to come in and like get to know and get to love a culture like the fire department and get to appreciate it and then help it move forward in, in certain ways that might be asked of it by the outside world, um, sometimes internally, sometimes externally. But I guess you could sort of quickly summarize it as like, I want to make change, but I want to make change that's good for everybody. Um, yeah, and so that is a challenge. Um, and I, I welcomed that challenge. It was a very unusual one. I certainly would not have ever thought this is a place that I would be doing work, but uh, it feels kind of like the I won the lottery. Well, that, that's usually how the best things happen in life, right? But uh, yep. I think what you were saying, the opposite can also be true um, because you're bringing an outside perspective to a place where they might not even see that change is needed, you know? So certainly like someone like Commissioner Nigro, who had 40 years on the job, had a different perspective about it than someone like you coming in um, with a different background. So I think that's, I, I think your approach is is the right one, you know, to make the change come from within rather than, you know, firemen yeah. are, are, don't like being told what to do, probably more so than anybody. Um, so I think- That seems right. <laughs> right? So I think that's a, that's a cool way to look at it. Um, I, I've also read that you you're into sustainability and that's something that interests me. Um, what, what would your visions be uh, with the FDNY? Do you, do you foresee moving electric? Uh, how can we bring, you know, cause I think our rigs now get like three miles to the gallon on diesel fuel um, yeah. and we run a lot. So how could we, how can we make that any better? Well, you know, the interesting thing, um, so my interest in sustainability comes from like, I was raised by like sort of an outdoors person. My dad took me backpacking and hiking. And so, you know, my sustainability mindset just comes out of sort of like respect for, you know, the natural world, um, as opposed to, I, you know, as opposed to sort of a deep knowledge of, uh, say, uh, electric batteries, you know, is not my specialty. Right. Um, but I would say I was actually surprised. Um, I teach sustainability at Columbia and I was surprised how often the fire department came up as an example of an organization that actually practices a lot of sustainability and people would not think so. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, the, the rigs are not um, the most fuel efficient vehicles for obvious reasons. <laughs> right. um, and I know that there are, I know that London, like we met with the London commissioner a few years back before the pandemic, and they are looking at um, electric rigs. Um, we're not yet because, you know, that's a, it, that's a heavy lift to ask. You know, it's yeah. not just obviously the size of the rig itself. It's also that it has to operate for potentially hours um, once it's on scene. So, you know, I think we're, we're looking at um, London and some of the other cities to see if that succeeds or not. And if it does, we're certainly open. Um, but I actually, there's a bunch of other ways that we have already moved to, in the direction of sustainability. So, you know, our ambulance fleet has actually won a few awards for some of their forward thinking in terms of um, being more fuel efficient, charging stations. Um, you know, we focus on green buildings when we build new facilities. And we have a huge physical plant, as you know, um, and a huge fleet, as you know, uh, even outside of the fire apparatus, um, our fleet is quite large. So, you know, we actually, I think, I would say are considering what we 
do for a living that people would not associate with sustainability. I'd argue we're a pretty sustainable um, organization. I think the, the couple of places that we probably will look at in the future will be, you know, someday down the road an electric rig, but I think that's a long way coming. We've got to be very certain uh, that works before we, we look at it. Um, and then actually another really interesting area that a uh, special operations and chief Esposito has looked at is that uh, some of the specialty foam has carcinogens in it. Um, but actually they have worked very closely with the, uh, environmental folks to find different foam that is less harmful, but just as effective. So, you know, again, a lot of, uh, a lot of interesting ways that like our chiefs and our people are looking at sustainability that you would never uh, think of when you think of the fire department. Right. Um, you just made me think of something with the carcinogens. Uh, have you, have you looked into the carcinogens that are in the bunker gear? Cause a lot of them are the same that's using the foam. Um, is that something? Yeah, that exactly. You're working. On? We have. Um, we've we've actually sat down and met with the unions. This was another, you know, pre-COVID initiative that we're bringing back now that we feel we're finally on the other side of this, which is um, more facilities to do what uh, to wash the bunker gear so that you guys can wash more frequently, especially after, um, you know, big jobs. So that's right. def definitely something we're really focused on. You know, cancer reduction in general. Um, you know, as you know, a lot a lot of things have become more. Um, like smoke has become more dangerous as like new chemicals are put on furniture and new materials are used in buildings. Um, so we're trying to focus on the other side of that and, and, you know, clean is the new salty, right? Isn't that the term? Right. I, I think that's um, the catch 22 of it though, is, is the fires are burning hotter, like you said, which mm -hmm. means the gear has to sustain more heat, which yeah. means you have to make the gear out of, you know, chemicals that might not be great for you. So it's kind of like a, Bouncing yeah, it does seem like there's a tricky balance between, um, you know, fireproofing and carcinogens, right? That sort of fireproofing in, in its uh, essence appears to, at least at this point, I'm sure it's going to move forward a little bit, does appear to use chemicals that, you know, to your point, when you go into certain scenarios that are like you do where it's so hot, it, it pushes the outer limits of certain materials. Right. Um, well, I want to get back to the historical uh, nature of your job. Have you, I know you mentioned it to the probies yesterday, but have you taken the time to think about your role in, in the history of the FDNY and, and where you envision, you know, other women going? Because I know we had a lull there, right? We hired 40 mm -hmm. somewhat women in, in 1982, and then it kind of trailed off. Um, yeah. So, so what would your plan be for, I don't, I don't mean to drop two questions on you at once, but Okay. What would you, is there a plan going forward to get women in higher up positions or? Yeah. So I, you know, I think to answer your first question, have I had time to think about it? Um, the answer is no. <laughs> uh, you know, it's been a quite obviously a very busy couple of weeks, unfortunately a very sad couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, I'd also say just, I don't know. I, for me, it's, I like to keep moving and stopping to think about it. Um, just doesn't, uh, it's not my style. I'm just trying right. to do my job, but I, you know, I do hope that, um, that other women, that it makes them think anything is possible. I hope that's true. Um, I certainly don't want to let them down. Um, the other thing I'd say in, in terms of more women, um, you know, I think there's two pieces of it. I think one is like you mentioned, there was a lull, but that part of that is because that first group of women came in via lawsuit, right? Not, mm -hmm. they didn't come in um, through the recruitment process. And so I think you saw that lull because they, we didn't move immediately following the lawsuit to change recruitment. Um, and we have done that now. So like the, you know, we've now had actually a series of classes where there are a historic number of women. And I, I hope that that, that becomes a regular 
thing. And I think it will, um, you know, we changed our recruitment practices, um, in such a way that, you know, women were organically coming to us and that that's really how, you know, it's working, right. They're coming right. to us in the same way that, that you guys are traditional candidates have come to us, which is they hear about the job, they grow up with the job. They, they love it from an early age. And as soon as the test is open, um, they go and they take it. And so that's what we're seeing. And so I think that that will sustain um, for quite a bit. And then hopefully what that means is that, you know, as we have more women on the job, more of them rise to the ranks, they become tenants and captains and chiefs. Um, I think you will, you'll definitely see that. Right. And I think to what you said earlier, I think it's becoming more normal. Um, I think yeah. as it becomes less historic, it's actually a good thing because that means it's, yeah. it's normalized. And I think the members, um, you know, I happened to work with a, a female lieutenant for many years. Um, and for me, it was, it was, it just seemed normal, like natural, but I know that, I know that there have been issues, um, in the past and I, I hope, I know I've been out for a while, but I hope that we're to a point now where that kind of went away. I, I know I trailed off there, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think what I'd say too, is I think, you know, I, obviously I'm not a firefighter and I, what those women do, you know, making it through the academy and being a woman in a firehouse. I mean, that like, to me, that's a achievement far above my own. But what I would say is I, I do think that it helps to have women, even civilians like myself, certainly EMS, which is, you know, has a much larger number of women than fire. Right. I think it's it helps to have us all in leadership. Like when I look around the table at headquarters, I see a much more diverse group of people. And so I think what that means is even though it might take some time for that to rise through the ranks, Right. If people see that at headquarters, like you say, it becomes normalized and you and you'll have women who um, maybe they're a firefighter now or maybe they're a lieutenant, but they see me and they see other women sitting at the leadership table in headquarters. And it doesn't feel as daunting for them to get there eventually themselves. Exactly. That, that's kind of what I was getting at. I feel like they might have been discouraged in the past just by seeing. Yeah, I, I think it, it's daunting to be an officer in the fire department anyway. I mean, you're, yeah. you're in charge of people's lives and on top of the, yep. the firehouse politics that go into it. So I think you're right. I think hopefully people, uh, you know, are, are encouraged now and see that people like you can be in charge of 15,000 or so men, uh, and handle it. <laughs> uh, yeah. that's a crazy way to look at it. Um, and it, that is a crazy way. To look at it. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what is, do we know the exact number of women on the job now? So I think it's 134. I can okay. double check that, but I'm pretty sure it's 134. So for people listening, that's out of about 12,000. So it's yep. still not still not where it needs to be, but it's it's still better than 42, right? So Yeah, I think the the scale of our growth and the scale of the challenge are illuminating, right? So we've more than tripled the number of women that we had 8 years ago. This is obviously a historic high for the department. Um but it's still you know, a small, a small amount in a really large workforce. So, you know, it shows both that it's possible, but it shows to your point that we need to make a really sustained effort at it um, for a while. You know, it's, it's not, it's not like we're at, uh, you know, 20% or 25%. We've got a ways to go before we get there. Right. And, and I think it's cool. We're seeing a lot of daughters of firefighters uh, yeah. taking the job, which, which I guess wasn't even possible when, when I was growing up or didn't seem possible. So I think that's, that that's going to change too. I think you're going to see more, you know, legacy children wanting to get on because it's, you know, like, like I said, when my daughter saw that picture after the movie, her eyes lit up, like she didn't, 
she thought it was just a cartoon. Like she didn't realize that it was yeah. actually possible, you know? So that's, cool. yeah. I mean, I think some of that is, you know, the changes in society benefit us as well, which is even when I was younger, you know, I, I didn't think of jobs like firefighting that just, were, they just weren't something I thought about. Um, and so I think we, younger women have actually changed their outlook. I, I find when I talk to younger women, women who are close to age eligible, 18, 19, 20, that their just general outlook of what's possible for them as a job is much broader than mine was at that age. And so to me, that's a boon. It tells me that even a, a small generation gap um, has actually changed people's minds about what's possible for them, has changed young women's minds about what's possible. So that's pretty cool to see. Yeah, sure. And and in the case of the FDNY, there is true equality as far as pay goes. I mean, everyone gets paid the yep. same as opposed to most yep. other you know, business yep. out there. Uh, I think I saw Yeah, and I think it's a, like one thing I say when I'm talking to women about the job, because I, you know, I run into women all the time and I sort of do my own recruitment, um, is that you know, not only is pay equity present, but it's a family centric job. It's a family friendly job. Yeah. Um, it's a job where you can have kids, you know, and that that's for a lot of professional women, that's not true. Um, so the idea that you can have this honorable and professional job and still have those things be true is, um, I, I think really great. And I think most women wouldn't think that about the fire department. They would think because it's so male, that it might not be um, family friendly in that way. But in fact, it's, it's quite the opposite. And they're always very surprised when I tell them that and excited. Sure. And, and, and you get uh, 25 other babysitters uh, when you work. Yeah, in house, so. exactly. The fringe benefits. Yep. Uh, all right. Um, yeah. I know you're very busy. I, I don't want to keep you very long, but one question I, I wanted to ask is what has been the, the, hardest part like something you didn't expect i know we've had some line of duty deaths since you took over but is there anything that that's something you kind of knew came with the job but what is the one thing that surprised you you know i i would say i'd actually say that is still the thing um that is hardest with the job yeah um i just don't think you can understand as a civilian the scale of which loss is present in the fire department. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's our own members in the line of duty, but it's also our own members from World Trade Center cancer. It's also just that it is a family. And so you actually know more, even when someone passes away, not in the line of duty and not World Trade, you generally know about it, right? Um, mm -hmm. Like the Bobby Cruz who just passed away, yeah. who's an active duty member. I knew him because he used to, um, he used to drive me. And so, you know, in a regular civilian workplace, you aren't so close that you know every birth and death and wedding. Um, and so that has actually, I think, come still as a surprise to me as a civilian, um, how present that is. Um, but I'd also say that the, uh, the flip side of that is like, they've taught me a lot about how to cope with that and how to be there for one another. And again, that's also not present with civilians in, in your regular workplace, unless someone you were really close to passed away, you wouldn't you wouldn't even go to the funeral probably, but you certainly wouldn't show up at that person's house and do their laundry every day for 30 days right. um, or take their, or teach their kids how to drive a year later. Like you just, you know, regular workplaces don't make that commit like lifelong commitment. Um, and the fire department does. And I think that's really special. And I, I understand what it is now, now that I've seen how much loss they go through, I understand why they've built that resiliency. It's kind of necessary in order to experience so much loss. Um, but it's also been a real lesson to me about, you know, kind of how to be more present um, 
in your everyday life, even with folks who aren't your family, but can be like family. Right. And, and you've, you've, you've came in at a tough time, not just with COVID, but we, we have had a rise in 9-11 deaths, as you mentioned. And yeah. we've had these, uh, you know, it seemed, seems like line of duty deaths seem to spike, at least throughout my career. It'd be like we'd have a year or two with none and then it'd be three or four rattled off. So, yeah. But yeah, you, you've had a rough time. But I have a very important question to ask you, and it's something you've okay. done that I haven't, and I'm quite jealous. Uh, you went down to Ladder 20 and met Tank. Uh, um, yes, I did. Is he should just be as jealous. cute in person? Um, <laughs> yes. He is. He is uh, he's, he's got, he is a excellent fire department dog. Uh, very cute. Obviously, he's Dalmatian, so, you know, he fits, he fits the image. Uh, and, he, and he's well-trained, so the, the members there did a good job with him. Yeah, I heard they they used to come in on their days off and fight over who gets to walk them around the neighborhood. I so. I would I threatened to steal him on more than one <laughs> occasion in our visit, so I I understand it. <laughs> All right, well, thank you for coming on. Um, good sure. luck to you. I hope thank everything you. works out. I think uh, a lot of us here are rooting for you. So um, appreciate and it. I also wanted to thank you cause you set a great example, um, for the women out there and especially my little girls. And I know, uh, they're going to be happy to watch this episode. Um, my daughter is actually my cooking correspondent on the show. So you have to, you have to check out <laughs> oh, her segment. I, I was just saying, I might need to consult with her on some cooking, but I'll All definitely right. check it out. All right, cool. Thanks thank you. Again. Take care. Hey guys, it's Frankie, and welcome back to Frankie's Firehouse Feast. Today we are making firehouse pancakes. For this recipe, you will need one large egg, one cup of low-fat milk, half a teaspoon of vanilla extract, three tablespoons of melted butter, one cup of all-purpose flour, two teaspoons of baking powder, one tablespoon of sugar, half a teaspoon of salt, and half a teaspoon of cinnamon. First, beat the egg, milk, butter, and vanilla extract together. Combine the remaining ingredients and stir it into the batter just until it's somewhat smooth but not too smooth. It should be a little bit lumpy. To make the pancakes, pour about one-fourth of the cup of batter onto a hot griddle. Allow them to cook until the tops of the pancakes are bubbled, then turn it with the spatula. Cook it just until the underside is lightly browned. Top it with brother and make bowl syrup. Chow's on! Well, Frankie, thanks for teaching us how to make pancakes. Last week, we watched the movie Fireheart, which was your choice. Uh, what did you like about it? I liked it. I thought it was unique, like the plot of the story. It wasn't like a main idea that was reused over and over and over again. Yeah. And so what, what did you think the plot of the story was? It was showing how not only men do the hardworking jobs and women can do it too because it took place in a time where men did all the hardworking jobs and all the women stayed at home. Right, and women weren't allowed to be firemen, as they called it, right? So they changed that in 1982. Anyway, so what else did you like about the movie? Did you like the doggy? Yes. Was he cute? Yes. Who's cuter, the dog in the movie or Rocky? Rocky can be any dog. That's true. He is pretty cute. So did that movie make you want to be a firefighter or 
Maybe. Well, what, if not, what else would you do? I don't know. I want to be an actor too one day. I want to be an actor? Well, you're already heading that way. You acted like you did your homework earlier. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, keep up the great work, right? Everyone loves listening to your recipes. And do you have any idea what you're going to bring us next week? You have to wait and see next episode. Ooh, a cliffhanger. Stay tuned. Well, thank you, Frankie, for making the time uh, in the middle of your very busy cheer schedule to come on the show. Keep racking up those wins out there. I'm proud of you. But, you know, something Frankie said brings up a good point. Um, you know, and that's Hollywood's role in in changing the perception of firefighters, right? I mean, back in the day when backdrafts came out, there weren't women featured, uh, you know, on, on the front lines of firefighting in that movie. Like there are in today's TV shows, like Station 19, Chicago Fire. Like, you know, there's there's women in prominent roles. And I think that goes a long way in changing the public perception of firefighters, right? Um, even though they're, they're drama uh, television shows, they still, in, in a way, change people's perception of what firefighters are supposed to look like. So I think that's a good thing. Uh, you know, I, I, I've always said that it takes all types to make a firehouse. Um, you need all different perspectives. And that's something we got from the acting commissioner. Um, she definitely brings a different perspective. And I hope that Mayor Adams uh, removes the word acting from her title because I, I, I think uh, she gets it. I think uh, she's done her time. And I think, you know, she, she understands what the fire department's about, right? And she understands uh, the fire department's role as leaders in this city. And I also appreciated what she said about the environmental impact of firefighting and, and firefighting gear. Um, you know, that's that's definitely something we need to hear, you know, because it, environmental cancers are, are a big part of the fire department right now. That's that's our number one killer is 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 cancer. And unfortunately, it's being caused by the environments that we go into and by the gear that we're wearing, all these carcinogens and, and these toxins, um, you know, 9-11 aside, um, are what's killing us and, and making us sick. So I think it's important to have people in charge that are aware and out in front. So thanks to the acting commissioner for coming on. Uh, I know she's very busy, so I appreciate her making the time. Um, she had a very busy day today, but she still found the time to uh, to talk to us. So I appreciate it. And I appreciate what you're doing for the fire department and for women and, and my little girls. Uh, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, so keep, keep leading and keep setting that example. And uh, I wish you all the best. Thank you all for listening. And thank you to Rocky Boots for your continued support. Subscribe now at stalo.us. Join the squad at patreon.com slash the firefighters podcast. Stay calm, everybody. And as always, stay low, my friends. Powered, Powered. by Righteous Media.